0: Hello everyone and welcome to All Things Suck. So, a little bit different to the usual programming. It's E3 and somehow All Things Suck has been made an official media... Well, I've been given media privileges and whatever else. So, uh, you know, I thought might as well lift up to that contractual agreement, do some stuff. and am going to start off with some very simple wild predictions, I think is the best way of putting it. And joining me... Because, you know, wild predictions, you've got to have someone who's just equally as mad. And for some reason, you do seem to like him on the podcast, Mr. Matthew Andrews. Hey, how is everybody? And this is it. The last time that you was on, Mm -hmm. we had the very infamous story about your your, um, movements late at night to a massage parlour. And... um, Yes. Yeah. The the story that has been quoted to me quite a few times since you were last on. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, it's one of those um, intercontinental relations um, stories that we all love. Um, it's one of those branches between the seas from England to Chinese, um, and uh, in between the knees. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's. I hope that everybody enjoyed it. Um, true stories do do seem to come across the uh, the best.
0: So. Talking about E3, at the time of this recording, Ooh, we're yes. about we're about six days from the the big event finally coming. We are going to be getting the first E3 for a couple of years because, you know, last year the world was pretty much shit. So we didn't get anything like that. And you know, 2020 still had some highlights in terms of video games. We had the Xbox and the PlayStation new consoles so you know but obviously you couldn't buy one because they've fucking gone everywhere mm. uh, we had a steady stream of video games that had kind of been partly delayed from either late 2019 or early 2020 so yeah they so the video game schedule wasn't too bad but in some places it was lacking and i say we're still feeling it this year at the moment as well we have had some sometimes some months when you say, like, you know, there are games coming out, but there's not the, it's not like a, a regular flow. We are still experiencing a uh, a very choppy, <clears throat> I think, production schedule. And we have got, you know, we've got places that are still living through lockdowns. We've got plenty of countries that are adjusting from, uh, you know, one of the biggest places being uh, in Japan. You know, a lot of their studios, a lot, well, just Japan in general, they don't really have much of a work from home model. So, when this happened, lots of things did just shut down. But it looks like in the last year, we've had plenty of progression. And with that, as you know, the video game schedule for all three platforms at the moment, arguably, is very quiet. We don't know a lot of what's coming out. Mm. There is, you know, there's plenty of games that have been announced, but they haven't really got a schedule. There's plenty of games that have been rumoured but haven't been officially confirmed, and then there are the pipe dreams—the ones that people do just go, "Well, of course that's going to happen." It's like, not not necessarily. You know, you can you can beg and you can hope, but it doesn't mean it's necessarily gonna it's going to be there.
1: No, but um, I I can only say one thing that I do know is that this unexpectedly, the COVID crisis is somewhat. Um, uh, had a great surge in the gaming industry um, if I'm not mistaken um, because of the fact that people have been trapped indoors and mm. had more time than usual they've spent more time purchasing things like consoles and getting into gaming and mm-hmm. and kids are stuck yeah. at home so it's been a, a massive success story for most of them um, uh, I, yeah. I don't know too much about overseas well very quickly gaming industry.
0: But go very quickly this, um, let's just go through some figures for uh, well in Japan the mm. Nintendo Switch, in the last few weeks, has officially sold, just in Japan alone, 20 million consoles. Wow. 20 million Nintendo Switch consoles. Which, if you combine handhelds, that currently makes it the fourth best-selling console of all time. Second, in Japan, only to the Nintendo Wii. Wow. Now, that the- is... Uh, yeah, that is that is quite an achievement worldwide. Thanks. Yeah, worldwide the Nintendo Switch is around about eighty-four million, which brings it quite high up on the list. So it's outsold. So far, all the generations of Xbox, it is outsold. I believe um, PlayStation One and PlayStation Three, and most of the Nintendo again, apart from the Wii. So. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's doing really well. There there is a lot on there. Um, PlayStation Five, as said, you know the consoles haven't had the best marketing because there's been hardly any consoles going around, and we've seen scalpers taking any little bit of stock that does come up. But even so, the PlayStation Five apparently sold around about five million units by the end of 2020. And apparently mm. it's up to about 9 slash 10 million units by the end of March this year. So doing all right. And then the Xbox, the Xbox hasn't had official, official figures, but around about March it was being said that the Xbox was around about 6 million. So not bad, some good numbers. Xbox I mm. think has generated a lot of buzz, obviously because of Game Pass, because of the Series S, which see, offers a, a cheaper alternative to your next generation gaming. And let's just put it this way as well. The Xbox had such a a difficult route because it had no games to anchor the console. It was literally like, the console's out. Yep, the console's here. Yep, here's next gen. You've got, yeah. no, you got no actual exclusive games for next gen. But hey, here is next generation console. And it still did pretty darn well.
1: Well, this is the, the, the controversial thing. Like I, I, I myself, as you know, was and is a massive Sony PlayStation fan. And um not that I have anything against Microsoft uh in, in in individually, like they've not done anything wrong, except for the release of a console with so little games. Um but they've definitely pepped that up with an amazing game pass which I've been taking advantage of lately. And as you mentioned earlier about this Xbox Series S being the cheaper alternative. Um, as you well know, I've just recently purchased an Xbox Series S, and for the size and the um, f- for the money that you pay for such a console, it is an incredibly powerful machine that copes with all the manner of a titles with ease, and not even a breath um, of, of of noise coming from the console. It's an incredible achievement from Microsoft, and with the upcoming games, it's 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 a great prospect for for gamers. Um even if at the current conditions it's um <clears throat> lackluster in, in in its game variants, but um hats off to sony though, what an incredible console and um it's certainly one of the and as you said earlier with the the Wii sales being um uh, the sorry the uh, nintendo switch sales being up into the hundreds of minutes. i th- i think well, I don't really know. I mean, you probably have the answer to this. What is the the recipe that Nintendo have found to be such a successful, in even though the console's lacking power in 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 graphics and the games, and I think the games on the Nintendo Switch have definitely come a long way, but they're still very. How can I the, put it?
0: The, the, the way to look at it is that at the moment, there is no dedicated handheld. Really, um, obviously, the Switch is a hybrid console, so it works both. As a handheld games console and a home release as well, so Mm. you get the best of both worlds. And then you have the Switch Lite, which is obviously dedicated to just handheld gaming. So I think that's been the big advantage. A lot of people like gaming on the go, and it's good that if you can, you know, zip it up, put it in your bag, you've got it for the day. You know, your average Switch has got about three or four hours battery life, even on the most intense game. So Mm. ain't too bad if you. Want to do like some gaming on the go and yeah, I think that's been the big appeal for it. But i tell you what, Mm -hmm. we we could talk about the hardware stuff, we could talk about the sales all night, but this is where Mm -hmm. we've got to go now. We've got to talk about predictions because as Mm I say, E3 and you know, it's fair to say that E3 doesn't generate the buzz that it used to. We mm-hmm. are we are spoiled in, the t- in terms of what we get in terms of video games now because there are hundreds of independent studios that are producing masterpieces for us all the time. We've got the big third-party companies that are always churning out big games but also building on their big games and sometimes supporting them for years afterwards. Examples being places like Capcom and Ubisoft. And then... You know, we've got the big parties themselves. We have Xbox, we have Nintendo that have always been a staple at E3. And in, sadly, more recent years, Sony have kind of just said, well, we're happy doing our own thing. We don't need to be part of E3. And this is where a lot of people do get confused. Sony don't turn up, but the PlayStation still turns up. Because, you know, we have got parties, we have got these companies that are still making their games for that console, for that generation, mm. for the new generation. So they are still there to a degree. But at the same time, I just think, Sony, what the fuck is wrong with you? Just, you know, it probably can't be that much of a drag just to go, hey, yeah, look, we're here. We've got, uh, you know, sod it, here. here's the new God of War game. Or, you know, oh, um, do you know what? We're going to bring back the infamous franchise. Or, you know... Oh, here's a new Jack and Daxter, or here's Metal Gear Solid Remake. Who knows what we're gonna mm. see. I think I think it's a real upset that Sony have just said, Yeah, we're happy doing our own thing. It kind of it kinda of makes them think that they're better and I understand E3 does not have the prominent place of what it had at one point. And with advances in technology, we see it with Nintendo three about three times a year. They do a Direct, which is their own presentation to show off new games, to show off developments on uh, upcoming titles. Xbox do their showcases. PlayStation even now get on it and do State of Play. So we are always getting information. But this is now to talk about the stuff that we definitely don't know about, but what we would love to see. And... You know, we've got to go out there because there is some great games that are on their way. We know about console exclusives, we know about titles that have been in in progress for so many years. But every now and again you just gotta think about right, well what would I actually want? What if I could just say to go up to Nintendo or go up to PlayStation and go, Right, this is the fucking game I want. You guys are mm. gonna make this now. As much as I'd love to do it. I'll be back in five years when you complete the game. Um Yes. Now I I think what we should do is, yeah. um, you know, I think we should have maybe an exclusive on each console and then have a couple of third-party titles because, you know, we've got to be fair. We can't just say, like, you know, they're all going to be just exclusive to one brand because so many people make it sound like we're actually gonna have these games created, just so you know, that, that's not that's not gonna happen. No, no it's it might theory. happen, yeah. If if we if we turn out that next week when E3's on and we actually see any of these games come up, just bear in mind it is just the greatest of guesswork from two madmen. Mm. There is no other way that we know this shit. So mm. I think I think what what do yes. we start with? Do we start with a console exclusive or do we go with a third party title?
1: I think we should choose something that is close to um, our hearts in gaming, um, and so uh, and we can start off with whatever you wish. We can you You are the master of third-party titles. I am, should I say, uh, experienced in many of the first parties. Um, so okay. go ahead.
0: Okay. Right. So, I yeah. So let's say a third-party, and uh, the third-party games don't have to generally be. Console exclusive. They can be across all the major consoles. Right, so this is my first guess. This is a third party title. This is coming from Capcom. I honestly believe that due to the success of Devil May Cry 5, there is going to be a Devil May Cry 6. Now, the Devil May Cry 5 only came out in... I think it was about March 2019, so just over two years. But the initial reaction and the higher sales would have probably given Capcom the go-ahead to go, right, well, we left this franchise already for... Over a decade, and look, people still like it. People still buying into it. Let's get Devil May Cry Six going now. Let's actually get this game moving. And I think this is plenty of time for them to have said, you know, we've uh, even though we've COVID complications, we've we've got the base game started. We've got the story written up. We started doing animations. We started putting together some ideas. And maybe maybe there could be a little cinematic. Maybe we could see a little preview of some concept art. I'd like to see a game that kind of goes on from Devil May Cry 5. And maybe... And I know a lot of people don't like the character, but I really enjoy Nero. I think he's a fantastic character. And yep. I'd like to see Devil May Cry 6 start with Nero basically going on his journey. We say go about five, ten years ahead. So he's starting to look a little bit older. He's starting to probably resemble closer to his father Virgil. Sorry, spoiler alerts in case anyone hasn't played the game from over two fucking years ago. Um because obviously we find out that yes, he is related to Dante and Virgil. Um obviously Uncle Dante. Yeah. And mm. with Devil May Cry six, I like it that yes, we find that Nero has been he's been quiet, you know. The the you know, the ruling of um at the time of demons has kind of passed it's been quiet it, he's been able to carry on with his family with um Kyrie, I think was his partner so mm. they they've obviously had their own time together maybe in turn he's then had a child with Kyrie and they've got their own kid um let's just say they call the kid Damien because you know demonic and whatever else and all of a sudden one day um Virgil reappears and he just out of nowhere, he refuses to talk about what happened when him and Dante went to hell all of a sudden, as Virgil has reappeared, the world starts going to shit again um we find a new we find a new big evil who has emerged who pretty much stopped the fight that was going on in the underworld. You later find out that. Um, that Virgil lost the fight to this new evil and he's come to Nero to basically go, well, look, I know you are stronger than me. I don't want to admit it, but you are more powerful and you are the only person who can defeat this new evil. We get to halfway in the game, or we get to whatever on the announcement trailer, and you see Nero's fighting through these hordes of the Evil Dead is getting through all these, all these creatures, and then you find out that the ultimate evil is Dante. <laughs> and that's wow. it. Devil May Christ. Devil May Christ Six. <clears throat> slated for twenty twenty three. Okay, because you know this game is going to be a long time in development, and I don't want them to rush it. Yeah. And that's actually well, quite, uh, yeah, I think that was actually quite quite um, in depth without actually saying too much on it. But yeah, I'd love yeah. to see Devil May Cry 6 because DMC, the spin-off one, the, the, the reboot, that was absolute shit. So when they made Devil May Cry 5, they perfected it. It was a gorgeous game. It played really <laughs> well. It looked stunning. And even on the PS5 and Xbox Series X update that came out on the launch of them consoles, yeah, it is just glorious.
1: Yeah, I know I, I was in silence then because I I enjoy the Devil May Cry series and hmm. quite I, if you could write rewrite really that it would be a brilliant game. Yeah. Um it's got so much potential the Devil May Cry series and it's yeah. so much there's so much energy put into the, the design and the latest um, Devil May Crys have been incredible, imp- incredible games.
0: Yeah. Would you buy that if that was uh if that was um announced and they said, "Oh, oh yeah. yeah, Devil May Cry 6." On its way, 2023, and, you know, the story basically... You know, there's going to be some twist to it. You know, you're going to find out that either it's not really Dante and it's someone who is controlling him, or we find out it's someone who looks a lot like Dante. (laughs) Face-off.
1: Oh, yeah, like one of those situations in in Zelda game um, where Link had to face his own mirror self.
0: Yeah, that's it. We find it's a face-off situation. And do you, know like voices, do you know who voices do you know who voices the Evil
1: Dante? I'm going to uh, going to go Josh, Josh Brogan.
0: No, I really want to say just because of the whole face off thing, I want it to be Nicolas Cage voicing Evil Dante. <laughs>
1: He's got such a characteristic voice though. Yeah.
0: So that <clears throat> is that is my first um, third party prediction. and that will be available yeah. on obviously PlayStation 5. Xbox Series no. X. And even though, okay, it won't be probably powerful enough for the Nintendo Switch, I will say it will still be a Nintendo title because I honestly believe there will be a Nintendo Switch revision which will play the more powerful games. All
1: right.
0: So Okay, well, so that's my first one. Matt, what would be your first third-party <clears throat> release?
1: Well, if we're talking about theoretical releases um, mm. based on past love, childhood memories, and nostalgia, we have no one,
0: fucking clue if these are actually going to be true or not. So you know, just just whatever. Oh no! <laughs> I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking this
1: right, and hear me out to all your lovely followers. I want a game that's going to be um, impactful on all consoles across the, the 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 reach of them: the Xboxes, the Playstations, the Switches, um, the Ataris. That's going to come out soon. Another theory, um, but I'm going to choose. <laughs> Um, Rayman. I'm going to choose Rayman, but I'm, I'm talking about Ooh. a dark Rayman title. Uh, can you do you remember Rayman from the platform um,
0: I franchise? Do, I uh, do the, remember. The I do remember Rayman. Yes.
1: Yeah, back in 1995, I think it was released. Um, so so far, um, I think Roman, Rayman has produced something like 40 plus games across its his platforms. Even though you don't hear about them. Um, rayman is uh one of the archetypal heroes across the gaming industry like you've got superman you've got all your your marvel characters but nobody's heard and nobody really recognizes the power the sheer force of of goodwill and um courage that is rayman um and if anybody doesn't know who, what rayman is and I suppose most of the young viewers these days don't understand who rayman is he is a uh Omni-limbed, non-attached limbed hero that <laughs> seems to l- launch his boxing-glove-shaped hands um, large distances. I don't know the I don't know the theory behind how he does all of it. I can only assume it's magic. But my theory is this, right? Oh, sorry. My want or need is a a dark, sinister Rayman story. You know, a bearded Rayman, a ragged Rayman. He's come back from. <laughs> Because most of the world of Rayman, especially from like um, in the Razor Plains and, and, and stuff like this, he's, he's very magical. He's a very, he's a very determined protagonist, paragon of this magical world where he goes around saving people. And but this time, nobody cares about what happens when Rayman returns home. What happens when Rayman goes home? And he's and he's not on saving the day duty. Does he does he have the struggles of all day life? Is everything weighted upon him? Does he ever lose? He's never lost in 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 the Rayman series. He always seems to be the the, the save the world and, and and always. But I want a ragged beaten Rayman, a very serious one. Um, and um yeah, if if I could have a game from my childhood to come back out of nowhere and um and and really hit it in the world of this modern day uh, gaming RPG dark spin-offs, I want a Rayman game. That's what I I choose.
0: Cool. No, that sounds good so and that's that's across all consoles
1: oh yeah across all can, this is this is this is my point right it's gonna be able to because Rayman's obviously a you could even sell shade it but it's, it's obviously a cartoony type um, video game but it, that 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 then gives it the reach across all consoles but it's the storytellers that we you need somebody. There in the storytelling world to be able to tell rayman's story and i think if i was going to go for a company um uh that would be able to tell its story and be dark and be ominous and, and all of these things i think maybe rocksteady studios oh um, jesus
0: christ imagine yeah. that rayman in the way of batman arkham
1: Exactly my point. And talking Jesus. about the future Gotham Knights as a release in the future, beautiful Gotham Gotham Knights, v Rayman, some sort of uh, <laughs> some sort of introduction there it's from the same company. That'll be that'll be beautiful. Real dark, real sinister, real malicious, malevolent. I love it.
0: Okay, so so far we have Devil May Cry six and mm. Rayman Dark.
1: Yes. Oh, I love the name as well. Rayman Dark Lost His Gloves. Yeah, yes. I love it. What tile.
0: Okay, right. So, I think what we should do, as we started on a third pike tile, we'll finish on a third pike tile. So, let's get on to some <laughs> console exclusives. Yes. I am going to start with the Xbox because, you know, we have been told all these studios that have been bought up, we're always hearing about what we're going to be experiencing what we're going to have in the future yes xbox i think is a very um is a very tricky one Mm -hmm. now i would really like to see in and this is this is going technically xbox slash bethesda because you know obviously bethesda have uh have got a lot um to thank xbox for now because you know they're the new lords and masters and who knows what the future will bring, but hopefully it will be uh, it will be a bit better. You know, we'll mm. start seeing some good quality. Now, I would like to see, and this is a bit tricky because you know Bethesda are still going to obviously make games for both consoles. That's 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 a given, and yeah, that's going to be the way for God knows how long. Mm-hmm. I would like to see a new Wolfenstein game. So, you know, we we have Wolfenstein. We've had Wolfenstein 2 in recent years. We've had uh, a couple of spin-offs in between. I'd like to see Wolfenstein 2020. With this game, with this game, Wolfenstein 2020 on the Xbox, we basically have have the narrative obviously shift because... Wolfenstein kind of goes on this uh, alternate version of World War Two, and we see, you know, we see basically shit go down and shit gets real and just every form of it, everything that could possibly happen, happens in Wolfenstein. And <laughs> it's one of franchises that I, I still think is going to be, is still going to probably continue across the other... The other consoles, I reckon it's it's not gone just yet. But I will say that if we do end up with um, a continuation of the the current series, so we had Wolfenstein: The New Order, and then we had Wolfenstein: The New Colossus in the last uh, in the last few years, I would like to see um, you know our title character. Captain BJ Blazkowicz. I really want him to come back and we find out that uh this is going to be an an alternate timeline to what is already an alternate timeline because you know that's just that's just how crazy we'll get. Now, after the Wolfenstein game from 20, 2014, was it now? The New so That's quite a long time. So we had that, and then we had the New Colossus in 2017, 17, So we, yeah. we, we are due another Wolfenstein game. So Wolfenstein 2020, it starts at the end of Wolfenstein The New Order. So at the end of the first game. Now, we find out that shortly after the events of that game, um, Captain Blaskowitz, he is kidnapped. And... When he awakens in this room, he finds a door that is protruding a very bright light. A man sitting next to him, he turns over, he finds, and this is how controversial I want it to be, he finds Donald Trump sitting (laughs) there. Now, obviously, he doesn't know who Donald Trump is, and I want it to be the most overly exaggerated version of him. That you can get because you know he's an absolute prick so mm. so he's speaking to our character and he goes okay we've gotten we've got a situation we need we need your help now i know that you're due to die around about 2000 but we need you now and he basically says you know i'm going to bring you into because i'm not gonna do that impression anymore i i want to bring you into 2020 we need your help And what we find is that somehow the US have worked out time travel and they're trying to figure out how to stop, basically, the the biggest evils. 2020, it turns out that the biggest evil and the biggest secret war that we never heard of results in the unleashing of the coronavirus.
1: Ooh, this is a very...
0: Yeah, I know. This is this could be a very touchy game. This is where they're Current. probably to say, "No, we're not going to have this." Um, but so the US have found out about time travel, and accidentally by going for a war that they didn't need to go for, because you know Donald Trump kept saying about his war against China. Um, because of China. his because of his insistence, he accidentally causes the the start of the coronavirus. <laughs> and he now needs to stop the coronavirus he's worked it out and there's only one person who he can send in who can you know wipe out basically every enemy because it's not just the Americans and the Chinese that are fighting against each other now it is a secret world war that most of the world isn't even aware of happening we've got we've got Russia that are taking part in this war we have Germany that's taking part in this war we have Fucking like yeah, so many armies from the Middle East that are fighting in this war. We have Korea, we have just all these different, all these different armies, all these different forces going up against each other. And Bj Blaskowitz, because of his skill, because of his knowledge, and just because he is that ruthless, he will do anything to save the world. Especially when he's told that in 2020, it is actually he's. Great grandson, who is the first person who will die from the coronavirus?
1: Wow, you really thought about that. This, this, this story. Yeah.
0: Then. Mm. And what about his? I think is it
1: his wife, uh, Anya, and his kids? So you talk about his grandkids. This is further on. This is
0: yeah.
1: Because um, in because um, wow. you
0: had the spin off one a few years ago. Um, oh, uh, not, Young not Blood and Lumber, that's Cyber it, yeah. pilot. Yeah, mm. so in Youngblood, Blood, um, you have his his twin daughters. Now, one of them obviously is effectively the grandmother of this other character. Um, mm. but you know, it, it's twisted. It's proper Wolfenstein because it's just that crazy. And just for a little added incentive, obviously with the whole thing with time travel, and because you know we are going to be introducing the biggest goof, who is Donald Trump, he accidentally opens time portals to other places into 2020 (laughs) so not only is he dealing with all these armies from this current time he accidentally opens up in the mongolian war so we end up with genghis khan as one of your bosses that you have to fight we end up yeah i know Um, we end up with fucking like thomas cromwell and his armies we end up with richard the third we have you know we have cavemen that are being brought in we have fucking ramesses and he's like he's egyptian army we have it just goes insane you know we just have all these different people that become the bosses that you have to fight against and in the end the ultimate boss you have to fight is donald trump himself who turns the out to be duck. who turns out to be a giant mech
1: a giant mech dildo yeah. stomping through a field of of Egyptian General Custer led warriors. I uh, this is this is something that See, is an instant buy. An instant if you're sell.
0: gonna do Wolfenstein, I think it has to be completely like, uh, you know, just balls crazy. It has to yeah. be insane, it has to be not afraid to insult a few people. But yes. So Wolfenstein twenty twenty is a Xbox exclusive coming late 2022. Oh,
1: I like it. I like it a lot. How very current. Yes. So and future.
0: So yeah, so um, you know, I am most certainly going to hell now after that one, that suggestion. Um so I think they're I
1: think they're missing a trick not hiring you, my friend. <laughs>
0: okay, so Matt, Xbox exclusive. Yes.
1: Um I would say um xbox exclusive i don't know entirely about an xbox exclusive it depends who uh, xbox buy or microsoft buy should i say but what i would like to see right is i'm going to talk about that because you, you with your talk about um timelines and future and back and forth and stuff like this how about this right do you remember a game by free radical design um they they're the people that made future perfect uh, F- future dark and stuff like this i think that was called back in the in the day um they also made 007 i think but anyway um how about a time splitters game and i know i know, I know that the time Splitters series was going to have a release but it got cancelled i think back in 2007 uh, i can't yeah. remember
0: apparently new radicals are actually putting together uh no free radicals sorry new radicals is the band that did um you get what you give um don't let go no you got the freedom yeah no um i'm not getting copyright struck i don't even earn anything on this um so uh yeah okay so yeah free radicals um apparently they are going to be making a two a new time splitters game but you know that could be a remake of two or three it could be whatever go on pitch me your time splitters game
1: right so as I was gonna say as you know but you probably do know but other people won't know time splits is basically a game where you've got this uh, I don't know if they're a military force or a police force that use these crystals to uh, uh, to temporal crystals to to go back and through time and and, and cause all and uncause all kinds of problems right yeah. um, so like you've said before, you kind of stole my sort of my my love of my idea about transversing the, the, the world of history and um, with all the sort of time splitters, um, series I think is doing you that.
0: You can do sp- it still, you can still go between time because you oh, know, yeah. my put it this way your idea will probably be more likely to happen because I doubt there's going to be many big selling video games that involve both Nazis, all these different evils from all different time zones, and the COVID mm-hmm. pandemic. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, this is it. This is it. Um, I think you've you've sort of you've hit a a, a great. But the thing is, you're never going to get that. I don't think you're going to get it, the rights to it. I think I think Donald Trump will come knocking on your door. I think John Joe. Um, but with t- with the time splitters idea, I think what I would like to see is humanity in a time of peace. Uh, the time splitters from I think Future Perfect. They succeeded, um, and everything's perfect. But somebody. Somebody dark in a different universe, in a different world, in a different time period or whatever you want to call it, has found a time temporal crystal. None of them have been destroyed. And this then brings in not just like from history, from our planet, but just imagine you're everybody is living their lives happily in 100 years and nobody's had any problems whatsoever. Everybody's got this perfect utopian society where we've all worked out our issues. There's no more wars, no more strife, no more diseases. Everybody's getting their uh, their jabs by the way you should definitely get your your vaccines um but then all of a sudden a time crystal pops off and it brings in creatures from all kinds of of, of different kind of uh, stars and planets around this universe and can you imagine a utopian society with no wars no armies and no preparation having to tackle an an a, a an invading force from times that they were you know, unbeknown and they have to recall and uh, go back into the, the, the dark cryo chambers of frozen time splitters to, to unthaw uh, and uncrystallize and bring back to life the only force that could save them from the ultimate fracture in time, um, which is bringing the universe into one place in this perfect utopian world. I think that's that that would make a brilliant time splitters game um and I would love to see that that is that is what my prediction that is that's what i want I need to speak to um free radical design really
0: mm-hmm. well, that sounds pretty good um this is the thing yeah we 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 need some wacky games we need stuff that is gonna you know bring that excitement and with all the advancements in technology, just imagine what a time splitters would be like in four k 60 mm. to 120 frames per second, you know, yes. and yeah, I I could see it. I reckon it would be a pretty good seller.
1: All oh, right. Man. Yes.
0: Now, this is where it gets tricky. Now, do I go for my Nintendo? Hope or do I go for my PlayStation? Um. Now, I am. Yeah, this is this is really tough now because I've got I've got ideas so strongly on both sides. Um, right I'm gonna go on to I'm gonna go to PlayStation because PlayStation mm-hmm. obviously you know there are so many different franchises we're finding that there is a hell of a lot that can happen now yeah I know there are rumors about this one but I honestly believe that if they're not true they should be true and that is blue point the guys who brought us the Demon's Souls remake in um, 2020, that obviously one of the launch titles for the PlayStation 5. The rumour's been going around for about six months or so now is Mm -hmm. that they are already hard at work on another remake. This one being a bit more intense, a bit more of a um, a redevelopment than Demon's Souls. And this is Metal Gear Solid. Now, Ooh, Metal wow. Gear, obviously, you know, Metal Gear Solid, that branch of the franchise, because Metal Gear had obviously been around for many years already. Metal mm. Gear Solid 1 was PlayStation 1 game to begin with. And it cemented itself as one of the best games of all time. We then had a few years later Metal Gear Solid 2, which then pushed the boundaries yet again. And it was like, you know, yep, this is the new console. Yep, this is what we can really do. And from that point, it just kept growing over and over. Now, with the advancements in technology that we've had, I would love to see a remake slash retelling of Metal Gear Solid. And if you remember, the first Metal Gear game is relatively short. You can do it in around about six, seven hours. Yeah, and that's if you are watching the cutscenes as well. Um, let's just, let's just remember, we used to think that was revolutionary. Get us a milk, mm. get a solid four. When your when your final cutscene is over an hour long, that's when you think, "Fucking hell, someone actually had to put this together." <laughs> did I'm they? Not... Did... Go. On you not what was you about to say? You not played Metal Gear Solid 4?
1: I, I yeah. Uh whip me. Jesus. Whip me because I, I haven't. I've li- the, literally the last Metal Gear Solid I played was my favourite Metal Gear Solid and I know this is sinful. Um but it was Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater.
0: Hey, that's no, a good game. Um well, I'm not gonna Yeah. Fuck it, it's a 13 year old game, but I'm not gonna spoil it for you. Um Metal Gear Solid 4, <laughs> basically, when you complete the game you get cutscene after cutscene, and it's basically got in the in the Guinness Book of Records because it was over an hour in length. I remember watching that when I completed the game, and I had to keep obviously woggling the controller because the screen was, uh, you know, <laughs> it was going dark. It was like doing screensaver saver mode. Like, no, no, it's still going, still going, it's still fucking going. It hasn't stopped yet. Um. Anyway, so yeah, go on. Metal Gear Solid. Um, Blue Point remake. Mm-hmm. Now, I want this to be a very two-act kind of game, slightly three acts, let's just say. So, act one is basically Metal Gear Solid One. So, Shadow Moses. You have the mission as it originally starts. So, Snake is sent to rescue the two people who are, you know, holding. The nuclear codes, which could bring about the end of the world and launch the metal gear that we have been aware of, you find that the game is around about six to eight hours long, so still about the same length. It will be expanded in certain ways. It's not gonna be overly stretched, but we are gonna see a more dramatic and a more film style than obviously what the first one did achieve. We're gonna have some new characters we have a couple of new locations the general story will still play out the same, because, you know, it's iconic enough, you don't have to do too much to it, um, so you start off with Metal Gear Solid 1, you are progressing through, you're in the hangar, so you're, you you know, you're doing your interactions, you have your first boss fight against Revolver Ocelot, you, you know, you, you're then learning more about the mystery, you're learning about Liquid Snake, who ends up you end up finding out is your twin brother and all this other stuff goes on. In the background of this, we also have a few little glimpses of a soldier in training called Raiden.
1: Ryden.
0: Yes. The the um, the co-protagonist of Metal Gear Solid 2.
1: Hmm.
0: So as um it's going to be a very weird structure, I will admit. So Metal Gear Solid One, you're doing your gameplay, you're doing your action. Every now and again, there's like a like an intercut cutscene, which goes to Raiden, and he's reading notes of the Shadow Moses mission from the, the year before, and he's planning to do VR missions based on what the, what Snake had experienced. Yeah. You get very vague information on what happened during that time but you know the game carries on you go back to playing snake again you know you go through uh you go through the hangar you go and fight the other bosses you do the psychomantis battle you play against raven you do sniper wolf you get all these other all these other little bits out of the way you you go through the game as you generally would you get mm. to you get to the end fight against Liquid Snake, you defeat him after you've destroyed the Metal Gear. What you find out though, in a new cutscene and obviously some new expansions on this, you find that before Liquid gets into the Metal Gear, there's a little conversation between him and Revolver Ocelot. And you know, he basically says to Ocelot, "Right. So this is this is the most advanced machine This is what we've got. He goes, yes, sir, of course it is. And then you find out that he's kind of rigged the Metal Gear, so it's powerful, but it's not as powerful as it should be because, unbeknownst to Liquid Snake, he has the access to Metal Gear Ray, a more more accessible machine, one that's able to go undetected, not just in the skies, but underwater as well, and it's a more deadly machine. So he leaves Shadow Moses Island, and that helps to set up the second part of the game, which is the Metal Gear Solid 2 game. Now, after the big fight and you rescue whoever you're supposed to rescue, in this case, you are still going to rescue Meryl because she will still be uh still be an important character going forward. Mm, Meryl um, Yes. And then after after that, that part, you have a briefing with Snake. When he basically says, Revolver Ocelot has got away, Um, we need to track him down. And then that's when you get the tanker um, prologue from Metal Gear Solid 2. So you have that in between. And at that time, we find out that Raiden was actually also being trained to go onto the tanker. The only reason he doesn't get onto the tanker is because he accidentally gets called away on another mission. And he really wants to obviously be there by Snake's side because he admires Snake. Mm. So as Snake goes and does that, we find out that Raiden had to go and do whatever other mission, but we find out that obviously at this point, this is when he's being contacted by the fake colonel. He doesn't know that. And then the game plays out as it does. Everyone believes Snake is dead. Metal Gear Ray escapes. And then we go six months later, and then we're on the... On the oil rig. We're on the shells. So this is where Raiden then comes in. You're now playing as Raiden. As you previously would have done. You are slowly building up the picture. Of what's gone on. And Raiden has this. Has this feeling of almost like. um, Of shame. Because he obviously wanted to be there for Snake. And he kind of feels that. He may not have necessarily been overly helpful. But he could still probably provided him. With some support. He could have probably still been alive if he had been there to help him. But then as the game goes on, we find out that things in the shells are kind of similar to how they were in Shadow Moses. We start meeting these other caster characters. But here's where we go a little bit different. Snake is not completely out of the picture. Yes, he comes back in the game as... This character, known as Pliskin, um, Pliskin, Plisskin, Pliskin, yes,
1: and because okay, um,
0: obviously okay. that's that's the character he comes back as in Metal Gear Solid Two because uh, he's faked his death, but he hasn't let anyone know yet that he is still alive. Um, but as the game goes on, there is a mm-hmm. point where the shells are basically destroyed, and you're back to fight against Solidus, who is the the big bad of Metal Gear Solid Two. We are in the point where we're in Arsenal gear, which is basically the the giant floating ship which holds all the technology. And at this point, Raiden has been captured. He's been stripped of all his gear. But we find out that Solid Snake has snuck onto Arsenal gear. So now he comes to Raiden's rescue and he helps him, obviously, after he defeats a brand new boss that has invented just for this part of the game. And I've actually got an idea for this boss. And this boss, I'm, I was trying to come up with a name. I was trying to come up with a, a, a quite a quirky name, but I've just gone. I've just gone with Zap. And what this guy does is he is he is a master of technology. So when um, when Snake goes into a room, he basically manipulates all the controls. And he says, you know, if you press the if you press the correct button, you come through to the next room. You press the wrong button, you'll be greeted by twenty genome soldiers. <clears throat> Stuff like that. So there is kind of like a random, random generator almost, and you will get some like you will get these moments when you have to fight off against all these other all these other um, soldiers. And when you do eventually get to Weitzap, you find out that he is able to. Um, shoot lightning from his hands he's able to control weapons that are around him so like any like electronic weapons he can um, like he can activate a like a remote machine gun he can control rocket launchers he basically he is an absolute ass of a fight but it's very rewarding because you will find out that he does have a major weakness and you find out that there is a power off button that can be accessed. But the only way you can access it is by shooting it through the sniper rifle. You manage okay. to do that. You're then able to fight him because you get a 15-second cooldown before the power comes back on. And then, yeah, you beat him. And then Snake is reunited with Raiden. You then go on to the rest of the game. You have your fight against Metal Gear Ray. And you obviously, you're doing that as Raiden. And then... The fight tails off. Raiden goes off to fight against Solidus, and they have their sword fight in New York, as it happened in the original Metal Gear Solid 2. But this time, we also have a slight side story where we see Snake going off to fight against Metal Gear Ray, who's been left to, you know, fight automatically. And obviously, we find out that Ocelot is actually controlling Metal Gear Ray. And he's making it seem like he's under the control and influence of Liquid Snake. The game carries on. And the, the end result is as as it is. Um, we find out Ocelot has gotten away with Metal Gear Ray. Uh, Solidus dies after his fight against Raiden. And then we get the ending that we're used to. Things go to black. And we don't know whether or not this will get a sequel. But we get the tease... Of said sequel. Where we find out that Metal Gear Solid 4. Will basically be known as. like Let's just say Metal Gear Solid The End. Or something like that. Um, They tease this game. That obviously won't come out for a good number of years. And they give you one quick cut scene. Which is probably around about the midpoint of the game. You have Snake as he's fighting against this army. He's fighting against one of the bosses. And all of a sudden Raiden comes down. In his full like you know, Cyborg Ninja Gear. He pulls out the sword, and he just goes, "Snake, good to see you. I'm sorry." And then it just goes to black from that point. Mm. Now, I know that's a long shot. I know that's obviously incorporating Metal Gear One, Metal Gear Solid One and Two into the story, making a few little changes. But also, I like Raiden. I think he's a good character. But I don't think snakes should just be taken away completely.
1: Yeah. No, I, I mean, I wish I knew more about the Metal Gear Solid series. And my, my limited knowledge on the Metal Gear Solid uh, series was is obviously cut short. But um, I do love the stories um, uh, that I've heard of them and stuff. I seem to switch off when it comes to the, the, the fact that they had so many cutscenes. You could not pause and you couldn't <laughs> go out. And if you needed to go out of your house, then you, you've lost your plot and everything because there's nothing you can do there's no way you can save halfway through them and so I never got through them but they do sound amazing and you do make them sound like I've missed something and
0: and the thing is this would be effectively around about a 20 hour game so about the average of what most uh, AAA titles are now on PlayStation and as I say it is a slight retelling the majority of it is still the same but you will have a few new characters that do crop up You'll have some new challenges, a few new boss battles. Um, we can cut some of the content, which obviously doesn't need to be there. But I reckon it could make for a very, a very good story. In like, like, you know, it has sort of like a four-year time span. But you know, we're we're learning about both Snake and Ride and throughout. So,
1: yeah. yeah. total fan, mate. Total
0: fan. All right. Okay. So. On that, oh yes, and yeah. um, because obviously I said I'll call the second part Metal Gear Solid the end, I would call this Metal Gear Solid Fate of Shadow Moses or something like that. Or just Metal Gear Solid Shadow Moses, something like that. You know, It's got to have, I think, a subtitle to it. Hmm. Not too sure why. I don't think you could just call it Metal Gear Solid. So.
1: No, you can't. No, no. I mean I, I can only assume that they'll keep that one for themselves, the designers, yeah. for some sort of end game. Yeah.
0: And just to remind you, um, everyone who's listening, these probably ain't real. We're probably just absolutely crazy. But come on, we know what we like. We know what we want to play. Hey, if they give us this, if they say, because um, it probably ain't going to be an E3 thing, but then Blue Point is its own company. I don't mm. believe, even though I think they are under PlayStation Studios. I don't think they necessarily have to be completely separate. So who knows? Or maybe Sony might go fuck it. We're actually here on the last day. Here's all our stuff. Um, could happen. Yeah, probably won't. I think hope it does. Happen. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Right, so Matt, your PlayStation exclusive.
1: I'm going to change it from PlayStation and give a um uh the viewers and listeners something else to to mull their minds on before the end of the show comes tumbling through um i'm thinking that i will take your spotlight on this one and i will go for a nintendo game
0: oh i was gonna go for nintendo next anyway but go on
1: on. oh do a going
0: nintendo go on
1: yeah, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to go for a Nintendo one. And I want to, uh, this, this theorem to... I, I'm begging that the gods of the video gaming industry, especially the the freaks of the gaming industry, especially Game Freak, um, will help me out on this one, right? <laughs> so I want a Pokemon game. And I've, I've said this this to you before a million times. I want a, a Pokemon game that is an MMORPG, much like the likes of World of Warcraft. You've got yeah. an endless game that never ends, massive worlds. You run around with your Pokemon and... You are, it's an adult game. Bearing in mind the the uh, demographic for Pokemon are all in their 30s now, you know, because Pokemon's a, a a game that was in our childhood, in our age. And I know the kids these days are growing up with Pokemon, but it's not the same as, as when it was back in our days, when you had 151 and you um you lived and died by that, you know. I want to be the very best. No, no, no. And it was truly a Pokemon um. Uh, a, a pokemon nowadays it's way too much cake mon and keem and sword in the lock mon and it just it's gone a bit off the rails a bit a, a bit where they can't think what to do but this is what my my theory i want to take it back to when there was only um let's just say 250 250 pokemon something like that. so it's not it's not got to the point where people lose an interest because they can't remember the name of every single goddamn Pokemon. But I want a Pokemon universe, an RPG game, a, a at least a twenty-hour game, if not anything. But this is this is my this is where I want it to breach. This is where the twist happens, right? I want the Pokemon universe. It's it's, it's the standard game is about going to the Elite Four or Five or whatever it is that'll be um, uh, in whatever Pokemon genre, series, and world you you're attacking. Yeah, but. I want this to happen. I want there to be a a fracture um, in the Pokemon world, and um, all of a sudden, you're getting um, a influx of not. And, and I don't know who the um, I, I need to look it up. The who's the animated behind Digimon? Uh, I can't Ooh. remember the name. Um,
0: oh god, that's a, that's
1: a oh point, yes. Actually. Um, uh, anyway so
0: I almost place- wanted to say Koei but I don't think it is
1: um, let me just quickly look while I'm here But um, yeah, so Digimon so what I want to do is um, I want to bring a Digimon franchise series into a Pokemon game and, and then you've got the Digimon you can start your adventure being a Digimon character like a like a, a person you can design whatever it would look you want but with a Digimon sort of thing and the evolutions that the Digimons come with Metal on and metal this morning one and I want them to have a face off yeah. between the Pokemon world and I want this collaboration to be a strike down the middle between the Pokemon world and the Digimon world yeah. and who's running on top. Bandai is it? Yeah. Beautiful. So Bandai and Game Freak in 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 congress with each other to create the ultimate ultimate pokemon game a rpg game that's serious that's deep for the for the the fans of the 30 year old 33 year old plus fans and stuff like this now i want it to be a deep fight battle between the worlds of of digimon and i want it to be the world of pokemon uh colliding in an epic game that would um that that isn't cursed by the modern day pokemon um curse which is the fact that these games are a bit childish a bit easy uh, and there's no uh, variance and difficulty anybody that can play a pokemon game to know that it's just it's it's just a game that uh, i'm not a great big fan of modern day pokemon games because i find them too easy i find them too childish i find them a little bit irritating due to the the variety of the pokemon now and i want them to just to consolidate concentrate on pokemon um as a serious serious uh brand now as as for for adult gamers as well because the film the latest film with uh, ryan reynolds is a perfect example of a a film that has done extremely well due to the fact that pokemon took uh, took it as an adult took it it seriously took it this is a, a a game that isn't just a basically a childish game like peppa pig reunited or something this is a game that um, had ryan reynolds voicing the actors um, uh, and it had a, a very serious theme and it was a, a brilliant film that did really really well because they brought it into the monday era. we need to do that with pokemon again we've got to stop doing with these extremely childish uh, nintendo themed games and 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 bring it into the monday and nothing is nothing brings that to a culmination, like a massive fight between two worlds, between Pokemon and Digimon and the bloodshed that we call. And I know you can't even say the word bloodshed in a Pokemon game, but this is my point entirely. I want there to be... I I don't want Officer... I don't want Officer Jenny going, oh, my God, there seems to be a Pokemon that has been kidnapped. Would you like me to help? I want to see like things like, oh, my God, somebody's caved in a Pikachu's face. And now his, brain, his jaw and his eyes have always been fractured. We want some serious stuff with the Pokemon industry. I want, I want, I want, want. Uh, is it Officer Jenny? I want Nurse Jenny or, or whatever it is. I can't remember their names now. <laughs> but I want them to deal with some serious things. I'm not talking about a few... Uh, childish fancies. Oh, our well, Pokemon has just been struck by some metaphorical lightning, and it's sitting there. Say, I want Pokemon to actually die in this universe. I wanted to be a serious. I want there to be funerals that you can go to. You can go actually to a funeral home in, in, okay, in no, A
0: funeral you... game. Jeez yeah, Christ.
1: I I want it to be serious. I want to know. I want you to know as a player that when your po- po- Pokemon faints, you have you may be able to recover it, but it's not a guaranteed thing. You go to the you go to the um. The uh, what's it called the, uh, the 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 recovery center, and it goes down 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 down, down. and then f- five of your balls light up, but one of them doesn't, and then it's a really sad moment where you zoom into that ball, fucking and hell. inside there is a dead Pokemon, like some sort of <laughs> fetal sized Pokemon. Oh my
0: there. fucking god! And I don't, Jesus, I think, oh, that would traumatize people. Well, Can you imagine is... that? Um, yes. Yeah, so here we go. Here's your here's your here's your Charizard back. Um. Here's your here's your Blastoise. Um, oh, yeah, Pikachu. Oh, he's he's a good little champagne-y. Um I need to talk about your Bulbasaur. Now, yeah. as you know, when he came in, um, he was missing a leg. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> we've had to put him down. Yeah, um,
1: this is what I'm
0: about. Yes. Um. Don't worry. We've already cremated him. That'll be three thousand credits. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fucking hell, that is that is seriously twisted. I thought my Wolfenstein idea was bad. That's that's that is some scary shit. You know? Yeah. yeah um. Yeah. So Pokemon. Yeah. Um. Yeah, fuck you, basically. Um, <laughs> yes. You. Yeah. You, you loved your Pokemon, didn't you? You thought they were so happy when you transferred them onto your PC and Professor Oak looks after them. Well, fuck you. They're actually gonna die now. Experience real life consequences real life consequences for mistreating your
1: Pokemon we've all oh done God, it God, we've all gone in standard. there with a diglet against the goddamn Charizard I just thought you know we're just going to go dig and hopefully that it will knock some life down so that the other Pokemon that you've got stand a chance against it we've all abused our Pokemon in can our imagine, game
0: can you just imagine that they go uh, yeah um, yeah so uh, yeah so did you honestly think putting your putting your bell spread against the Charizard was the best idea there's nothing left of the fucker. He's dust. <laughs> nothing. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about a know? lifelong friend that
1: you've gotten you gone through the whole universe with. At the end, yeah. gets his goddamn Onyx. brains blown. Onyx out.
0: hits. Yeah, Onyx hits one of them with towel whip. They fucking go through three walls. Yeah, I'm talking Jesus about. He's Christ. a paraplegic now. That, is, got, so,
1: you, that is so. Yeah, bad. that's it. You got you got a dribbly weeping bell. Who's literally weeping. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a total fan of that idea. I, I, I think that it should be serious. I think it should be there. And I think it should be at that situation because they need to create a Pokemon game for the people that originally started watching Pokemon, which was me, Matt Ketchum, sitting here on a podcast with you. And I want to be the master. And I want to be the best. But I don't want to be the best in some childish world where my Pikachu shocks a goddamn squirtle and all he does is fall on the floor and faint. I want to see his eyeballs pop. I want to see his shell come off and it just smell of perfect, perfectly cooked crab brulee. And I want to walk past the 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 crying tears of that owner saying, you shouldn't you shouldn't have fucked with me. You shouldn't have fucked with my Pikachu. That's level sixty five. He looks like a weak level thirteen, but he's not, he's level sixty five. I've I've deliberately not given him a yellow thunderstone. So it fools you into thinking that this Pikachu is in level sixty five. He's a killer. Look at his eyes, he's a killer. He's seen death before. Mm. He's seen death before my Pikachu. And uh, yeah, good luck with that. Um, I shouldn't really take my battles outside, like Pallet Town, because these guys <laughs> don't really get out much. But I could, if I wanted to, go around there and, and like, um, like in Final Fantasy VII with Sephiroth, I could completely burn down the village with my Charizard. And I, you know, I want it to be as dark as that. I want it to be a crossover between Pokémon and the Elder Scrolls series. You know, Bethesda. Pokemon cross with Digimon Influx because the Digimon we all know Digimon is a much more darker game, yes.
0: um,
1: yeah. So anyway, that that's my theorem. That's what I want to come true, and I hope everybody can I, agrees.
0: Yeah, I'll just go from a couple of points, and um, obviously, your your idea is fucking insane. Let's go with that. Um, yeah. I just want to say that the highlights of of Pokemon. Um, is, I mean, I think you kind of lose it, sadly, in an MMORPG. But it's the character interactions, you know, like when you, like you're like you walking past someone going, oh, no, we've locked tyres. No, we have to battle now. And then you get the ones that go, oh, yes, I'll, you'll experience the full wrath of my bird Pokemon. Or, hey, you know, I've just caught this Pokemon. I want to I wanna battle him against you. Ones that are quite sensible. Mm. And then you get ones from the first game where you had the kid that comes up to you and goes, I like wearing shorts. They're comfy and easy to wear. <laughs> um, okay, kid. And then you think, okay, there's nothing that's ever gonna beat that. Well, there fucking is. I remember when Pokemon Let's Go, uh, Pikachu and Eevee came out in 2018. These were obviously this was having Pokemon RPG on your home console, and I think You know, they are scaled back for what they are, but because they are effectively remakes of red and blue and yellow, they are pretty good. And then even the interactions as well, because uh, it's not just prize money you get off people, you do earn items as well. So you get things that, you know, even though you're still seeing the, the train that you've defeated, it'll come up with stuff saying like, you know, you got four, you know, hyper potions, or, you know, you got two ethers, do you know what my favourite one was? And I had to screenshot it and share it with the people of Twitter as well. Was when you yeah. defeat a trainer, they look in shock. And it says, "You got two great balls." I thought, "How the fuck do they know?" <laughs> um, uh, that was my favourite line Bulls, in that yeah. game. That was it. I didn't have to do anything else. It's just like, "Yep, I found something that's meme worthy." Um, that's all I did. Um, right, <laughs> I okay. Go on. So, so Pokemon is your one then. Right, okay. I am going to go with a yeah okay. I, I'm going to go with a Nintendo, a Nintendo prediction. Now, there are rumours of a Metroid Prime trilogy remake and a Metroid Prime 2D sequel, but I'm not going to go on any of them because mm-hmm. um, obviously they've been spoke about to death. There is also talk about a new Donkey Kong game again. That's not something I'm going to go through either. There there are so many dormant franchises that I think are being discussed about. They probably are games in development. You know, the last year has probably impacted a lot of what we would have had by now. We know that Zelda um, Breath of the Wild 2 is coming out. We know Bayonetta 3, the game I'm probably most eagerly awaiting on my Switch. I know that that is going to be on its way soon as well. Mm. There's so many big games and... uh, you know, even like Shin Megami Tensei Five, apparently is going to be coming out before the end of the year. That would be amazing if that does finally hit. But I'm going to go from one well-established, if quite niche franchise, to another. And it's one that only in the last couple of years I've really had a fancy in for. i I've really got into and enjoyed. And it is Xenoblade Chronicles. Xenoblade Chronicles, I absolutely loved the definitive edition of the first game. I'm loving the second one. Mm. And to see in Super Smash Bros. the inclusion of Pyra and Mithra from Xenoblade 2, that was amazing. I would love to see a Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Or, as there was for the Wii U, there was a Xenoblade Chronicles X, which was kind of a kind of like a like a semi spin-off whatever it's kind of like final fantasy they don't necessarily have a direct link but there are like strands there are certain things that do tie it together i would like to see Hmm. a xenoblade chronicles 3 and this is the thing the first one basically the the world that you're living on is on the bodies these like these two bodies of these two titans that basically fought against each other died and then the life basically grew on their persons. So in the Blade Chronicles 2 is pretty much you're living in the sky and all these landscapes are all these oral creatures, all living things and you know as time's going on these creatures these titans are dying and they're slowly you know falling out of the sky so the landmass is disappearing. Now, if you've had hmm. land, you've had air Where's the next place you go? You go under the sea. sea. Now, Cinderblade Chronicles 3 is going to take place in a very. It's going to feel very familiar. There are still going to be these giant beasts. But what happens in this one is that you are accessing certain vehicles when you go between certain beasts. But a lot of these beasts, you go, you find out that. Yeah, you know, they are alive, but they—they're they're not exactly. They—they—they're they're, they're kind of like, they're kind of like um, like like semi, semi cyborg. So you find that you can travel into their mouths, and then you know something comes down, and then you're able to get out of your vehicle, go and explore the world. And these are going to be some vast worlds. They're going to be absolutely massive. You don't see any natural daylight the the light that you see is already inside these creatures because you find that there is something on them that is able to provide life that the like their backs the top of these things are just produ- protruding this light this life-giving light and even if you're in the water when you're in the vehicles if you look up all you can see is a is like a really bright light you can't see anything you can't see anything that remotely looks like a surface this is where Xenoblade Chronicles Three takes place, and your character. Because let's see, in the first game you had Shulk, who is given his sword, and you know he goes on the mission with his friends, and you know it's such Against a deep story. Oh, mm. It's such a beautiful story, and it's one of the best games I've ever played in my life. And then in Xenoblade Chronicles Two, you have Rex, and he comes across a sword. Funny enough, you know, and uh, I, I had to explain to someone, it's called fucking Xenoblade. Of course, there's going to be swords in it, that's kind of the point of it. <laughs> um, and you know, he unlocks this um, this power, which is pretty much Pyra, who is um, a blade to him being a driver, so they work together in their battles. And Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is going to go with a character I'm going to. And this is the this is the fun thing, because you've got to think, do you go for a quite a silly name or do you go for a reasonable name? So always silly. Always so silly. I'm going to I'm going to go for the name Trock. So that's T-R-O-C-K. Now, Trock, mm. he is i will say around about the same kind of age as, as Shulk or Rex. So, you know, probably a guy who's sort of like like late teens, early twenties. And he is a he is he is a a a technical kind of guy but he's also a fighter from a very young age he was taught how to master sword fighting he was the top of his class and he decided that he wanted to go and be a technician for the diving team because they find out that there may actually be some life over the water and they hear these legends about how there was originally life over the sea, like you know, there was actually land on top. But you know, all these uh all these descendants, they've only ever known being like living inside the creatures. And then mm. you find out that one day the um there is a a sword which protects this, this certain titan that Troc is living in. And the sword um is destroyed so this sword that was providing the protection has been destroyed and we find out that there are some forces from another titan that want to come in they want to take the resources from this titan and from others and they find out that that this weapon has been destroyed they are able to you know now carry on with it what they don't know though is that when the weapon had been put up on display, there was a splinter from said sword that got stuck into Troc's hand. And when the sword itself was destroyed, the essence was still within that splinter. And as Troc has gone to take his own weapon to fight against these forces, he has then created another sword, another master sword, which... Pretty much looks like an exact replica of the one that was destroyed, but what you find out is that this sword is binded to him. He can't ever like you know, he can he can obviously unwield the sword, he can place it by his side, he can place it onto his back, but the sword can never go any further than two or three feet away from him because it automatically pulls back to him. And so with this sword, mm. even though it still provides a level of protection, because the sword was attached to, to this titan, obviously it provided the whole protection around the whole titan. But because now it is now just attached to this one person, it only provides basically protection to Troc. So he is effectively untouchable. He is unkillable. So he goes out to... Uh, they come up with this plan that not only are they now going to still ex- try and explore... The the land that could be possibly above the water. They are also going to look at getting resources from other technicians, from other fighters. And then we have the usual stuff. You know, we have a bit of betrayal. We have a couple of deaths. We find out that there is a few more mystical things that are going on. And what we find out at the end of the game, they get to the surface. And what do they see? They see the bodies of the two titans from the first Xenoblade. They go mm. to explore it and they hear the story of Shulk. They hear the story Ooh. of what of his time, that how he protected the Wells, how he fought the Mechon. And it turns out that that sword that was attached to that titan was actually originally Shulk's sword and then there is a moment where you actually see the ghost of shulk and he's pretty much communicating with troc and he says to him says to him look we've we've all been through a lot we've all done a lot of things that we've had to do we've all fought against some great evils we've fought against some very very powerful enemies but what you've done now you have given yourself a power unlike anything else you have unlocked even more potential than what i could have ever done people call me a hero but you are truly a greater hero than anyone else not only have you been able to save your people but you've reunited a planet which long was thought to have been separated by many divides and then you know somehow there'll be something that that kind of relays xenoblade chronicles 2 into it as well so maybe we find out that At the end of it, they can hear the creatures that are up in the skies. And it turns out, you know, all three of these games are sort of taking place, you know, relatively close to each other. Mm -hmm. I so would want that in the Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Because, you know, I just think that's, that's the right progression. One is on land, two is on air, so third has to be in the sea.
1: I... Agree. I love that idea. I think it's great. I've always enjoyed the Xenobay Chronicles series when I was uh, a little bit younger than I am now. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, I like that idea. I think the mechs under the water and living inside of the, um, the Titan, sorry, living inside, that's a great idea.
0: Yeah, I'm not too sure exactly enemy-wise, but I'd like it to be like some, some kind of entity that um, is aware of the world above. But it's say say it's like it's been banished to, to Under the Water. But it can breathe underwater. It can obviously do all this other stuff, which other people can't. But it can't ever go to the surface. And yeah, only way it can get to the surface is if it takes the sword, effectively. Mm. But yeah, that, that's it. Center Blade Chronicles 3. And Monolith Soft, the developers, have been making a game for some time. They haven't said anything about where it actually is there's been a couple of little uh a couple of little like drawing some concept art and i think they've even played some music and some like some of the uh, voice clips from it so they must be some way progressed into it so i would say if if um if legend of zelda breath of the wild 2 isn't out this year and i don't think it's going to be i think it's going to be probably like an april april to june next year sort of time I reckon this would be a perfect game for December because Xenoblade Chronicles 2 came out on the 1st of December 2017 and it had a really good sales figures. It really did well. It had a massive impact. Okay, it's not ever going to hit the numbers as some of Nintendo's part, um, like first-party titles, but it still sold incredibly well and it was a perfect end to what was a very strong first year for the Switch. So yeah, Cyber Blade Chronicles three end of this year.
1: I like it. I like it a lot, buddy. Um, I'd go for that one as well. Yeah. <laughs> I'd buy for one. Okay. I mean, right. to be honest so, with you, let's uh, no
0: go. On. No go. On. What was that?
1: No, I was going to say I'd, I'd I'd like to um to you give me the urge to go back and buy a Switch now. Um, <laughs> but I don't want to buy one before the new the new version of the Switch that's coming out soon, everybody. So that's going to be good.
0: Yeah. Um. Okay, so yeah, go on. you did not do a PlayStation title. Obviously, you went straight on to your Nintendo idea. Have you got a PlayStation title in mind?
1: I do. If not, we can. I oh, won't. yeah, go
0: on. Yeah, no, no. I was, I was, I, go I've got it. plenty
1: of... Do you know what? i thought about a thousand things, really, yeah. and when it comes to Nintendo, I was thinking about something like Star Fox. Yeah. Oh, we all love Star Fox. Love Star Fox. But instead, um, you decided that, you know, obviously. we're going
0: to bring kids into the 21st century and go, right, your pets do die. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love that dark theme. I like, just can't you believe you me, fucking I... said, like, having funerals for them as well. Jesus Christ. Imagine yeah, if you did we, catch a Pokemon. Just 100... Pokeball yeah. firing in them. Yeah. Imagine if this was just, like, Kanto, if it was just the 151 Pokemon. Imagine at some point you had to go to each individual funeral. Uh. Pikachu was such a great lad. Can you imagine? Born yet? That first, from that first Thunder Shock to that last Quick Attack, he was an integral part to the team. But now he will no longer be sitting on my shoulder, but he'll be sitting on the shoulder of God. Amen.
1: Uh, Amen. Anyway, yes. May so your your, yeah. your
0: PlayStation game. Okay,
1: now we've we've. Yes, my PlayStation game DVD. will be, and and I think. Yeah, I think you know what my PlayStation. Uh, my my favourite PlayStation games of all times is by a company called Squaresoft. I will.
0: Hentai Party I will Five. not
1: go with Square Enix, but. Because... <laughs> not Hentai Party 5, which is my favourite game. Uh, no, um, uh, no, it's not. It's Final Fantasy series. And. And I will mention the fact that I don't like Square Enix. Not, it's not like I don't like Square Enix as a company, but it's, Final Fantasy has always been about story, about love, about raw emotions. And these Square Enix company, they are a great game design company. But the problem is they're all about war, numbers, um, costumes that are so, so extravagant that you can't connect with any of the characters because they're all... Decked up to the eyeballs, and you can't really relate to anybody because everybody's a general, everybody's a war master, everybody's a leader of an army, and you're always watching fight, 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 fight. And I, I think Square Enix has lost a bit of the plot here because Final Fantasy's always and always been about the story. It's always been about the loss and the love and the betrayal and the and the and and the hike. And I want to bring that back with a Final Fantasy game. But to be honest with you, I'm not going to say like Final Fantasy 16, 17, 18, or whatever you want to go and say. I want you to go. I want them to go back um and reinvent final fantasy one of my no the my favorite final fantasy sorry is final fantasy 8 um i want them to reinvent final fantasy 8 um into the modern day era i know they've just done a final fantasy 7 remake and they've done an incredible job and it was hilarious in some points and it was funny i think they did a brilliant job of that even though game design wise they kind of really messed some bits up i mean the backgrounds and some of the, <laughs> the playstation wonder but uh Oh it was it really was I um, don't get me wrong I understand that Final Fantasy has always been a ballpoint um game for for graphics and 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 the future of of CGI and it even led to them creating the their, their own studio CGI studio which they created a, a film called Spirits Within which was an incredible achievement in um in um CGI um at the time in 2001 and or 04 yeah, or something like that and I've this.
0: told you before I'm You know, I have tried playing Final Fantasy games, and you know, I love JRPGs. I really do. Final Fantasy, though, even though I've Mm -hmm. played quite a few different ones, they just never stick with me. I did enjoy um, the spirits within, though. I thought that was a really good film. But although it's a good film, but although it's not exactly Final Fantasy, really, when you take it into concept.
1: No, they kind of messed it up again because they had because what it was, this is what this is what ended Squaresoft, who created the original Final Fantasy series. And and I don't know if many of your viewers know the story about it. It's basically real quickly um, is they were doing ever so well with their Final Fantasy series when the PlayStation released seven um, and eight and stuff like this. And during that time, they created a studio because obviously everybody at the time said, oh, my God, your graphics are incredible. How would you doing it? And so they created a dedicated studio to creating the, the idea for creating future films, which the first film um, was uh, The Spirits Within and their only film because it tanked the studio because nobody watched it. Don't get me wrong. It was an incredible feat in CGI. But the problem is, is that the only people that will watch it Final Fantasy were the Final Fantasy fans, which were in their millions. Um, um, but the problem is, is that when they watched, it, they were like, this isn't Final Fantasy. This is a normal film. Um, which has got nothing to do with Final Fantasy. Um, it's it's real people, no, you know, creatures or whatever it is, no Magicka, no Aeons or GFs or whatever you want to call it. Whatever your favorite Final Fantasy is, summoned. And there was just there's very little to do with Final Fantasy in it, and it tanked the studio. They put billions into it, and it failed. And SquareSoft had to sell out to Square um, Enix. What well, Enix? Yeah. And and that's how it all came about. Um, Now, I want them to bring back Final Fantasy VIII. I think the story in Final Fantasy VIII is incredible. You're young students at at school, and you, you... Uh, the world is a, a very dark and ominous place, anyway. But um, you, you learn to be a seed soldier. I don't know if you remember. I don't know if you've played it. Um, and you've become this soldier, and, and you uh, you move on to other bigger things. But the story about Final Fantasy VIII, which is incredible, is that it takes you away from all of that. Yes, you are a powerful young soldier and for that, but it doesn't concentrate on that. It concentrates on the story about how these kids get together and they meet each other, and about how they're orphans and um, had have got troubled pasts, and there's so much to do with Final Fantasy VIII that um, that I think it's twice to three times the size of Final Fantasy VII in scale, Um, and I know that they'll never remake it because of that, but um, um, I wish that they brought it back, and I wish they remade it, and if I was going to have any... um, ask of of the gaming gods it would be to bring back fun fantasy 8 in all of its glory because it's such an emotional roller coaster it's such a beautiful love story at one point and i'll just go on with this quickly at one point um the main character squall leon hart you've got many main characters rinoa hartelli um selfie timil uh sal Faramassi. um you can pronounce them in different ways i know people do around the world anyway you're in space and it's incredible you 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 are in space and you you're on this ship called the ragnarok and um it's just floating through space it's a dead ship and on on this ship you when you go on there um you have to clear it for these aliens that have taken board of the ship um because this is a, fa- a famous ship that's been lost down in space and you go to recover it and um there's some aliens on there but the ship doesn't work and there's one point the main character which is leon um sorry squall leon Hart, um is he doesn't ever say that he's in love with the main the main female protagonist which is Renoa, and they've always got this stiff love this well, yes i do love you but i'm not going to say it because i'm afraid of getting hurt and this one point she she's cast off into space and uh, her oxygen runs out in her spacesuit and you have to go out in the the dying seconds to reach her and you realize you don't reach her and you're not going to reach her in time. And her necklace floats up in front of her face and her tears come down her eyes as as the oxygen leaves her her suit and it starts to mist it up the screen and he just holds her. And it's just so sad and so beautiful. And you do, and I I don't want to, it's a game that's 20 years old. I'm not (laughs) going to ruin the ending for you, but you do end up getting her back onto the ship. But, it's just this really tender moment that you just don't get in modern games where he was so afraid of losing her that the love that they had in that last moment when she was like, I love you knowing that she was going to die. And then she's sitting on his lap in on the ship as the ship is completely lifeless, just floating through space. And they know that they're going to, to, to die out there and they're just floating through space, but they're holding each other in each other's arms and you can see through the front um, of, the, of, the, of the spaceship, the glass screen, the endless vacuum of space with the stars and, and its beauty. And it's so silent. Nothing is being said. They're just holding each other. And then obviously, if anybody's played the game, they know that the, the, the ship comes to life and they figure out a way and they end up returning. But it's such a beautiful, intrinsic moment in gaming, something like that is what was missing in um, in modern games. And this, th- 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 there's only a few games you can mention right now that have beautiful, beautiful stories like that, like Last of Us, um, where they where he loses his daughter and stuff like this. this. These powerful, hard-hitting moments, like in The Last of Us 2 when... Um, actually, I don't want to have any spoilers, but one of the main characters dies, and I was in tears. I was crying because of these moments in gaming um history that bring you to humanity that bring you connection that bring you the loss of real life into gaming and i think we've lost that with with gaming at, at the present moment everything's trying to scale so big red river dead red, uh, red dead redemption um we're talking about uh the bethesda series skyrim stuff. they're huge scaled games but you end up spread spreading butter too thin on toast And you never really get to connect with the characters fully, 100%. Don't get me wrong, they're characters. And you you connect with them in a way, but they don't really have love. You don't care about them. They die and they revive or whatever. You don't really care for the characters. You don't even understand them. Half of them don't even speak English. Have you ever played through Skyrim and thought, oh, I really care for this character that I am? No, you don't, because he doesn't have no soul or spirit. I want a game... Where you care about the characters and when you lose them you feel a pang your heart aches with it and I think Final Fantasy VIII is the perfect example of that
0: oh, fair enough and I'm gonna, I,
1: you know what I was going on a rant there <laughs> so <I was> gonna, <laughs> I, I, I'll let you take over again because if not you know my Final Fantasy is one of my passions and um, it all yeah. died with Final Fantasy 10 when Squaresoft finally had the release of that and um, yep I'm heartbroken because of it
0: <laughs> okay so finally a mm. a final third party release Ooh. now you know as th- as we said before there are so many different um video game makers now and we're, we're finding that inspiration does come from many different areas now for a third party one i've had a couple in mind i've had ones that you know kind of going off of rumors that you hear because you you know Rumors are always around you always hear every every year you always hear the oh do you know, there's there's going to be a there's going to be a new game based off of this property or of that property oh do you know the the they they're they're remaking this game and it's like well until until one of these companies actually comes out and says yes you know we're we're redoing this game or we, you know we're bringing this over to you I can't believe any of it, you know. And you, you always hear these things where they go, "Oh, um, Walmart of Canada have accidentally unveiled the the latest uh, Devil May Cry game," or yeah, oh, de- yeah. Walmart of Canada is definitely one of the most infamous leakers in the world. Hmm. They do they do seem to have a thing where they will accidentally give out too much information, and they've done it so many times over. And yeah, um, but yeah, anyway, yeah. There's been rumours of a follow-up to probably one of my favourite games on the Switch, and that was Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle. That game should not have worked by any means, but I absolutely loved it. And apparently there is a sequel happening. Whether or not that's going to happen soon, or if it is actually happening in any way, I really don't know. But no, that is not going to be my third party prediction. Because oh. as much as as much as I would like to go through that one, I honestly think Ubisoft are already in development or they're putting together some kind of spiritual sequel. Because you know it was it was a very popular game. It was one that really did do a good lot of business. So I can't see that it's not going to happen. I'm going to go for a real out there real fucking crazy one there and I'm going to go to one of my favorite games from the not the last generation that we just finished but from the previous generation this game was I believe about 2008 and it it, it did all right it had I guess a, a relatively popular reception And it inspired the probably like one of the biggest games now, free to play games. It was an inspiration for Warframe, which I've played some of. Okay, pretty good. Now, in the good old year of 2008, I'm pretty sure that was the year. I'm I'm now going to show myself up and go, Oh, you fucking idiot, it was 2007. How did you not know this? Um. No, I was right, two thousand and eight. Alright, so in two thousand and eight on the Xbox three sixty and on the PlayStation three <clears throat> there was a game that came out from Digital Extremes. Now um right. they have they have produced some some quite popular games. Some uh, very uh some very uh very questionable games as well I guess is a best way to put it. Um I'll just go through some examples. So they they, they 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 haven't really made many of their own games but they have been very popular with creating like ports of games as well. They've uh, they've done ones like for like for PCs, like various different ones like that. Um as I say 2013 uh Warframe came out and you know it's a very popular free to play game it's quite good it basically started with some ideas from what was one of my favorite games and my favorite game of 2008 dark sector i really did tease the fuck out of that for about 5 minutes yeah. um, now you really did yeah dark sector is it's it's an i'm just trying to think of the best way to to describe it you know it's an it's a third person shooter game effectively the way it is, is that your character is a well he, he's he's a he's a spy basically he's a man from the cia um he's on a mission in this uh, this fictional country and he comes across a thing known as a techno virus a technocyte virus to be exact um this thing is basically creating mutants it's creating a powerful army in this fictional country now the the main character hayden he gets injected with um well he gets infected with the the virus and basically throughout the game you see his hand his arm his shoulder and like yeah, just as it spreads like this virus goes across his body and it gives him his arm kind of like an like a sort of like a, a like a, a nano armor kind of style to it it's got um mm-hmm. it also produces a glaive which is able to throw at enemies and it becomes like a sort of like a, a, a mechanic for solving some of the puzzles during the game as well um it's a tri-blade weapon and it works really well it works as a boomerang it works for a um, able to like, pick up things that so can go through like an electric field and it picks up uh, electricity to shock your enemies um, it'll pick up fire so you can burn them or burn your path through and you can also like get to ricochet off of walls and that for certain things that you need um, yeah do you know what it was one of the games that it wasn't anything over the top as much as it should have been because you know about a techno virus that's slowly changing your body but it was really mm-hmm. fun you know your character starts developing abilities but you've also still got the gun play as well so you know you are still shooting enemies you are still Doing weapon upgrades, and then as the game goes on, you know your character is slowly, um, you know, being further infected, and you're able to do things such as, uh, like you can turn invisible, um, you can provide a shield for yourself as well, um, you can like power up the glaive so it can do multiple attacks, and it's so strange, but it was such a great game, and it's one of the games that I really would love either. A full remake or a port slash a sequel to it. Because it's one of them games that I think a lot of people really did not have the chance to play. And it's sadly one of the only games that doesn't have smart delivery on the Xbox at the moment. It's one of them ones that really should have backwards compatibility, but it hasn't got it. And you know, if they could bring that back for all the consoles spruce up the existing gameplay because you know it was quite smooth i don't remember there being too many bugs or issues with it and then with that hmm. a, like a remake slash you know remaster and then with the promise of dark sector 2 for 2022 that would that Ooh. would blow my mind by my Joe, you know, a, a franchise that was never that big of a seller, pretty much went under the radar for many people, but all of a sudden they're going, Yep, here's the here's your game. Yep, and we're doing a sequel to it. You know, di- um Nintendo did this a couple of years ago with Deadly Premonition. I remember playing that on the Xbox three sixty and that was a fucking weird game. And it was one of them games that really was like balls to the wall. What the fuck are you doing to that microphone, Matthew? Well, I, heard
1: of... <laughs> I don't know i think my my um my internet is not as strong over here in the countryside heard... that was
0: you doing something to the microphone oh anyway like i've not touched um, it anyway well we've heard that before um right so that is my <laughs> that is my last guess that is my last prediction my last out there prediction dark sector remaster slash remake or you know just a standard touch-up and a port with a dark sector 2 on its way
1: okay um i think my last experience with dark sector isn't this the if i can recall back isn't this the the guy with the the weird sort of mutated arm
0: yes yeah, so that's what I'm saying. So he, yeah. so he's yeah. So the virus starts rising up his arm, but he's got the glaive that he's able to fight with as well. Oh,
1: so I see. Can be used yeah. as like a I, bladed. I, I didn't play them myself.
0: Yeah, because it's like a hand bladed weapon, but also you could you've got gunplay. You use the glaive for certain tasks and certain things you need to do. But I'll be honest, you know, I really enjoyed the game, and I was such a. I find it such a shame that it never. It was never brought up, so it could have the smart delivery on Xbox One or Xbox Series, and I'm surprised it never had better sales than it did have.
1: Yeah, and do you, do you know what it scored? It scored on uh, the game ratings and like Metacritic and stuff like that.
0: Joe, you know I actually have got in front of me um, at the time of its release. Um, game Informer gave it seven and a half out of ten. IGN gave That's it seven point seven out of ten. Um, Ooh. there was a few sort of like hit and miss scores. Um, Metacritic was seventy two, so that's not bad, you know. Still relatively enjoyable. Um, yeah. and Hyper. Um, this is one of my favourite ones. Um, they commended the game for the glaive and its aftertouch, but criticised it for the patchy AI and steep difficulty curve. Cause yeah, there was that point you just sort of go like from having like casual easy going, just shooting your enemies, a few little puzzle bits with the glaive, to all of a sudden, holy fuck, I'm dying there every ten seconds.
1: <laughs> yeah, brilliant game design.
0: And would you believe Australia banned the game due to violence? Really? Because Australia just doesn't like video I mean- games.
1: Ninety percent of all games have got violence in it, including
0: Pokemon. Um, here we go. It was later re-released in Australia for the PS3 on the ninth of October two thousand eight. So it was about about six or seven months after the rest of the world, but it was censored. Yeah. So no blood. <laughs> you know, yeah. basically, he wasn't throwing a glaive. He was throwing a sponge at him, or you know, a frisbee, and then it came back to him. And, you know, he didn't get stabbed. You know, he accidentally, you know, put paint on him. And, you know, the paint just started rising from his head. I don't know. No, that's stupid.
1: Oh, wow. I mean, it's, it's sometimes... almost like dark sexy yeah. Splatoon.
0: <laughs> we always think that sometimes, you know, in the UK, we get some stupid censorship stuff. But, yeah, Australia, you guys, you know, you you just, yes. Yes. Well, good yeah, for you.
1: There's something special.
0: All right. So anyway, Matt, your hmm. final PlayStation. Uh, sorry, your final PlayStation. Your final third-party prediction.
1: Well, I'm going for a game. I hope so. That uh, uh, I'm hoping so too. Uh, <laughs> I'm going for a game. Of, you know, and, uh, have you I, ever
0: I, heard of a game? Yes, I've heard of video games. Yes, that's what we've been discussing <laughs> for called, the last hour and three quarters. Um,
1: <laughs> it's called the game. Uh, no, it's the game, game. The game. A, the a video. Let guess
0: yes, it. Let me guess It's
1: it. a neo-noir shooter, right? By, yeah. and this is what's going to give it away for you, I think it is, Remedy Entertainment. Do you remember those? And also Rockstar. Okay. Well, they, they came in a little bit later. Remedy, Remedy was the original with I'll I tell you what it is. I won't keep you hanging on. It's called is it, Max is it, Payne. I was just
0: about to say Max Payne. I was, I was really trying to think, because... Um, the Rockstar bit was almost throwing me, but I was thinking Remedy, Remedy, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that could be decent. I mean, Max Payne has been a I guess kind of a dormant franchise for quite a while now.
1: But one of the best franchises, one of the best games I've ever played, really. And, and I don't know if anybody else is is really caught up with the idea about Max Payne. He's basically a a drug enforcement agent, um, and he worked for the NYPD, and um, basically, his wife and child was murdered, and um he was also at the same time being framed for killing one of his partners, Alex at the time um and it's it's just this whole um revenge have you ever seen the what's the film with uh, Gerard Butler in it um oh, weird his wife and child were killed in front of him Law anyway, of it's one Setson. of those Laura Bi it. it's one of my favorite films ever film. if you haven't watched the film. It's such a good film such a good film yeah. and I kind of get that sort of vibe from Max Payne he's on this um on this hunt for the people that killed um he, his wife and kid basically uh, um but it's obviously it's one of those these games that you could have got away with he was a drug addict he was an alcohol addict it was it was very much a narcotic driven based fire up shooting up game he was so drugged up that when he dove it slowed down in slow motion because he was so high that he could he could shoot in slow motion which gave the game its actual um its signifier it's it's it's, it's um it, the reason why it became so famous was because you dove in slow motion that matrix effect um so anyway um max Payne. that was the, the sort of story on Max Payne 1 Max Payne 2 came around and um, it's called the Fall of Max Payne, which is basically um, he was charged for like, the, the the killing spree that he went on, and and blah 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 blah. Um, uh, so anyway, Max three, uh, Max Payne three. This is um, nine years or something or so after the the uh, Max Payne two, the Fall of Max Payne, and he's he's now left the city and he's working. In, and I didn't really much like the new Max Payne 3, uh, but he was working in, I think, Brazil or something like this. Um, uh, he's, he's working for an employee. The employee's wife gets kidnapped by a local street gang and he goes on his usual drug banged war-diving Max Payne goodness um, in trying to revenge that. Um, obviously, there was a, a film adaptation um, that was not so successful uh, back in 2003 um um but um what i want is a max pain game but not for i'm just talking about max Payne, a a play through his life all through um the max Payne game but the backstories to his life um this, this this stuff that you the shit you don't see happening the the crying down the emotional breakdown of the fact that he lost his children and wife you don't really get to see too much of it you just get to see his haunted memories as he's walking through um his sleep um and you hear babies crying in the blood soaked walls of his department uh, his apartment you get all this during the game but i want to see um, in modern day graphics, in on 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 true 4K, 8K, whatever you want to call it, I want to see a really, really a, an emotional um, reenactment of Max Payne life because I don't think people understand how great of a game Max Payne was and how emotionally intense and how much of a human um, game that Max Payne was and um, is and troubling um that it was as well and i think nowadays it would be it would be i'm saying that last of us didn't get banned so yeah and that's pretty grim and brutal i think yeah max Payne, just max Payne, the name max Payne, and it's about his life story about the breakdown about the mental health and the depression he's going through as a man you know not about i'm not talking about the gun game side of things you're gonna have that but i'm talking about really focusing it on um the, the 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 loss of his children, what he's doing after, is going to the, the you know, how he recovers from that, the depression and and, and how he's seeing therapists and stuff sort of the, the real human side to to mental health. And I think it's very prevalent in this day and age as well that we we do tackle that issue and with a game that's so you've got Sonoa's um sacrifice, I think it is, that deals with similar sort of touchy subjects. But Max Payne is a real livable, real connecting character for most men. Um, uh, and women in, uh, in in the modern day gaming era, and I think it's a, it's a brilliant idea. Max Payne, that's that's my prediction.
0: Okay, no, I, I think that's um, that's pretty good. And you know, as like you say, Max Payne has got its uh, has got its place in history. Some people do still refer to it as one of the best games of all time. The first game in particular. Right, so yeah. we have gone through altogether ten potential games for E three. Let's be honest none of these fuckers are going to probably ever happen. That's that's the harsh reality when you look at the video game industry. Sadly. But saying that, I think what we should do, just out of curiosity, of all the games that we've come up with, I reckon we should make a note of what game we feel is honestly the most likely to happen. And we'll see if how close we are when it comes to E3 reveal, if there's anything that comes remotely closer. Out of all your choices, so let's let's just go through a very quick reminder. So your first one was Rayman Dark. Obviously, mm-hmm. a very um very twisted version. There was a very twisted theme to all your games, really, if we're being honest. Yeah. Um, right, so we had we had Rayman Dark, which was obviously your first one. Um, and then Xbox. What, what was your Xbox one again?
1: Uh, time splitters.
0: Yes, the time splitters, yes. Time splitters, you know, like mm. fighting everything from history. And then you had your Pokemon versus Digimon with real ramifications and Pokemon funerals. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, was, that was it. Final Fantasy Pikachu 8. with a black eye. Final Fantasy VIII remake, mm. which has got some intrigue, and Max Payne. Out of all five of them games, which one of them do you believe would be the most likely
1: to this come, upcoming sixteen days time? This new E three, um, I would say the Time Splitters game. Um, I think that's more than long enough, and it's, it's more than. Um, uh, I mean, it would. Out of all of those games that I chose to make up in my head, it would have the most uh, chance at being remade or, or, or built because Pokemon dying is not going to happen. Final Fantasy 7 is still in its remake. So Final Fantasy 8 ain't even going to get looked at. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I know what I want to happen. I want to see Pokemon being tortured in, on, and getting waterboarded, but that's not going to happen. Um but uh, so you I'm just going to have to settle for the the unfreezing of the cryogenically frozen time splitters to save the world, and I think mm. that time splitters would do well with that. And and they have my email address, and if they want to contact me, then I I'll, I'll write for them. So uh, yeah.
0: Oh bloody hell! Um, <laughs> right. So on my ones, I had Devil May Cry six, which I still feel is a very uh, a very strong possibility. We 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 need something mm. like that. Um I'm just trying to just trying to now recall what I had on the shit, yeah. What what did what did I have on the Xbox net? Oh yeah, um Wolfenstein 2020. How could I forget that?
1: That's the one, yeah. yeah.
0: Wolfenstein 2020, the game that will never fucking ever be even thought of. Never mind get made. Um Yeah, that <laughs> was a that was quite a powerful one, wasn't it? Um yes, the Metal Gear Solid remake. Um yeah okay i i I can kind of see i can kind of see that happening to a degree i don't think it Mm. will though Mm.
1: no they take their time
0: don't they yeah uh yeah there's a lot of these that are very possible you know it's not like one above the other or anything um yeah, I don't think my Nintendo one's going to happen. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know.
1: I, I don't know that your your, your Xenobay Chronicles one is my favourite.
0: I mean, I think it's possible, but I honestly think that Monolith Soft, I don't think they're doing a Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I, I think they're going to go for a whole new IP, which I would like. I think I'd probably prefer. But Xenobay Chronicles 3, I think, is a bit much. And you know, to I know that 1 and 2 have got their ties, but to then take... Number three, and just at the end go, hey, surprise, we've been underneath the first game all along. You know, I can't see that. And then Dark Sector. I would love to see Dark Sector remade. It's not going to happen, though. I can't see anyone really calling it. Unless a studio says, right, yeah, we're going to put this up. We're going to market it. We're going to make it look as if it's a whole brand new game. And, you know, we'll see where we go with it. But, no. I'm going to say... I'm going to say Devil May Cry 6. I think, for me, that is the most likely one to happen.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you. Devil May Cry is a an ongoing series, yeah. which you know is going to go on yeah. for many, I many editions.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Metal Gear Solid is happening. I, I don't think it's going to be how I'm anticipating it. I don't think it's going to be, you know, Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2 together in one game. But I reckon Metal Gear Solid Remake is happening at some point. But that would be that would be still quite a bit down the line. I don't think we're going to see that for quite a while. I reckon mm. if anything, that will probably be 2023. And then that's roughly about the 25th anniversary of Metal Gear Solid. So yeah, that probably yeah. Be a good time for it. Good shout. Uh yeah. Otherwise, yeah. Devil May Cry 6. That's, that's my, that's my most likely prediction. And, you know, if it does turn out that, you know, we get the story as I'm thinking, you know, there's a bit of a time jump. Nero now has his own child. Virgil comes back, gets Nero's help because Dante is now basically the the greatest of all evil, or is he?
1: Dum dum dum.
0: Could you? I still I still have this idea now of Nicolas Cage voicing Dante, voicing like <laughs> this evil Dante. I think it'd just be brilliant,
1: dressed in all these levers, yeah
0: i i don't know I, I just i can just i can just see it you know i can i can just i can just picture him you know just taking on that part and then we find out that you know he has done face-off with dante so this uh this supposed dante is obviously some other creature and then dante now has the face of nicholas cage
1: oh god how 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 unfortunate
0: yeah uh, I I don't know. I just I just think it would be brilliant. I think it would be quite a fun concept. I mean, it won't happen because it's very stupid. But Devil May Cry six, I think, is pretty much certain. If not this year, it will get announced at some point very soon.
1: Hmm. we right. surefire going to happen more than Time Splitters. Even though, even though I'm crying for Time Splitters, a
0: lot. Time, Time, Splitters, Time Splitters is games. happening. Time Splitters is going to happen, but it just depends if it's going to be a remake, if it's going to be a new game, if it's going to be a spiritual successor. Yeah, there will be something mm. of that. but Right, with that, we have made a podcast last for nearly two hours talking about ten video games that are going to probably never get made. We've probably upset quite a few people along the way. We've come up with some random shit, and now you've got the fault of Pokemon funerals that's going to haunt you for the rest of your life.
1: Yes. I've left my mark in Pokemon history. That's what I wanted to do.
0: I don't think anything is ever now going to top the idea... That someone's now just had to go through. I might have to bury my Pikachu one day.
1: <laughs> I'd be buzzing, and that was a Pikachu jerk. Oh.
0: Um
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm talking. I mean, you don't have to literally bury your Pikachu in your back garden. You can do. I mean, that's pretty grim. But I was thinking more like a gun salute, where you put poke your Pokeball in the end end of a a, a a ship gun and a then fire it out sea.
0: A twenty-one gun salute.
1: Yeah, and you're just firing Bulbasaurs by, you know, like in a mass exodus, like a mass brutal genocide of like Bulbasaurs or something like that. And it's just like just just pit pouring them into big holes in the ground. While Officer Jenny and another Officer Jenny go on
0: Joe, whose funeral I'd love to see if we had to do Pokemon funerals. And that sounds so fucking terrible as it is Um, Meowth's one because, you know, a talking cat, you know, he would have had such a great life. And I can imagine he would have recorded a video message as well for, for all the mourners like hello i'm meowf as you know i died <laughs> Can <you imagine>? um, <laughs> uh, yes i'd like to leave you with some words of wisdom don't use all your experience on talking there is much more to life than that do not trust these two people because they tortured me for 20 odd years
1: yeah, and
0: finally, me That's right. Goodbye. Well, or um, I or, mean that's pretty tame to my idea. Yeah, or um, you can have kind of like a parody of the IT crowd because there's the episode when um when Renham dies and he basically had recorded a video message for his funeral, and the video just carries on with him sitting there eating an apple while everything else is going on. Oh it's so brilliant.
1: Mate. Like, yeah. this Enjoy is, the show. Yeah, indeed. Uh, indeed, mate.
0: So anyway, yes. Yeah, so I go going, go on. Yes, yeah, yes, go on. We've traumatised, we've upset. I think from this point we shall uh, bid adieu, you know, we will uh yeah. we will find um you know hopefully this will be out before E3, so some people can have a laugh. They can see the, the random shit ideas that we have come up with. But just so people are aware, there is going to be more E3... E3? e Fucking hell. E3s? E3s, you know. Um, I'll go to that. Yeah. Um. Yes. Have you been doing too many E's? Well, here's your e Um No. <laughs> E3! E3, sponsored by E3? No. Um, E3 is, you know, a big event. And as much as some people say it's not relevant anymore, I still think it is. There is It is a great platform. It's a recognisable name. It brings all these companies together, apart from Sony, and it shows that the video game industry is still standing strong. And as Matt said, you know, video games have been very prominent during the pandemic. How many people have probably bought a games console just to keep themselves entertained during this last year or so video games have really proven to be a lifesaver for many they've kept people going they've kept people you know sane and hopefully that will continue as we are hopefully getting out of this horrid covid world and we can think of a positive future and i can just hope and pray that e3 is the start to some much needed positivity I agree, and I hope to. And with that note, next time there shall be some more E3 talk. I'm hoping that I can have one more chat with someone, and we're going to go through some more realistic expectations, because, you know, it's good to go all out there, but hey, maybe we can talk about stuff that let's be a bit boring and just talk about the stuff that we know is definitely going to happen, or stuff that is 99.9% <clears throat> likely going to happen, like, yeah. oh yes, you know Nintendo, they're going to probably reveal a fighter for Super Smash Bros. No shit, that's what they've done the last three E3s, so, yes, why not? Why don't they do that again? <laughs> anyway, though. Yeah, no, 100%. Yes. Anyway, that is it for night. Uh, I have been John Joe as per usual. Uh, he has been Matthew as per usual. Ooh. And with that little woo.
1: And I'd like to say, um, and I'd like to say before I go that um, everybody, I, I hope you look forward to um, visiting the red light district in Canto Town region, where you can use Wobbuffets. And other similarly dildo-shaped Pokémon to your own delight and the new Pokémon game that is going to be released, uh, uh, developed by me and my games industry and design and company. And uh, yeah, get you know, watch this space.
0: And I'd like to also thank you, say thank you to Matthew on what was probably be his final show before he gets locked up for the crimes against <laughs> Pokémon.
1: Yep, already happening, mate. Already happening. Trafficking industry is a buzz.
0: You can follow John Joe on Twitter at John Joe Cosgrove or on the All Things Suck Facebook page. Wait a minute. All Things Suck? Are you trying to say I suck, John Joe? I've never been so insulted in my life.